You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. This morning we're looking at this series as we kick this off in our Easter season here at Faith Assembly, looking at the finale, looking at at the work of Jesus Christ and the significance of his work on the cross. We know that Jesus died on the cross. There's not many in our our culture, even in our our world, that would be unfamiliar with that. Most people know that. They know that, that Jesus died on the cross. But looking at the significance, and we would not be able to unwrap all of the significance of what his death on the cross meant for us. But looking in these next couple weeks as we lead up to Easter of just the importance of that work that took place. You see, the word finale means to be the final piece. Something that is the finale is the final piece or the completion of a movement. It's a completion of a movement, like the, the song, that, that the, the movement of a song that is coming to the finale or the concert or, or the stage presentation. It comes and all culminates to that finale, to that point. Since the beginning of time, God has begun a movement. From the beginning of time, when he created the heavens and the earth, when he spoke life into existence, he was in a movement that was set forth, and that was to have a relationship with you and I. God has been on a movement, and his purpose has been to have a relationship with you and with me. I don't know about you, but that is an amazing thought, to think that everything God has done has all been so that he might have a relationship with you and with me and with the person who's sitting to your left and your right or maybe not even here in church this morning. That God has done everything from the creation of the garden in, the, in Adam and Eve's days, from the creation of the garden to the, the Ten Commandments written on Mount Sinai, from the sacrifices of animals made in, in, in every place and every altar that they would build, and even to the building of the temple where God's presence was, was dwelling. All that God has done has been so that he might have a relationship with you and I. Who are we that God would even make that the essence of his pursuit, his desire? He is God. He has everything. He has all ability. And what does he put his everything into? Us. That's just an amazing thought. That everything he's done has been building this bridge and building this work to come to you and I, to have a relationship with you and I. And the day that Jesus Christ breathed his last on this earth and when he said on this earth, when he hung on the cross and he said it is finished. The Bible says that a way was made possible, that there in that temple that represented the, the presence of God, that there was a curtain that hung and only the holies or only the, the high priest could enter into that place and there was not an opportunity and even them could, even those individuals could only go once a year on special occasions but on the day that Jesus Christ said it is finished, the veil was torn, the way was made, an open door has been made possible for you and for I. I don't know about you, but being in the presence of God has an effect on me. Being in the presence of God has something to change because when you come into the presence of certain things, you recognize how wonderful, how awesome. May we not lose the awe that he desires us so much that everything he's been doing since the beginning of time has come to this so that he might have a relationship with you. Come on now. Somebody's got to get blown away by that thought. Now, I, I don't mean just for, just for the applause, but how amazing 
The psalmist, he said, who am I that, God, you're even mindful of me? Who am I that you would... Jason Lamer from, from central Pennsylvania who, who, who was born of, of, a, of an alcoholic family that has no, no hope outside of Jesus Christ. Who, who am I that you would come, that you'd be so mindful that you'd save my dad when I was two years old and you'd redeem my life and you'd start a change in a future that there might be lamers that have never been on this earth before, that there might be lamers who declare the glory of God. Who am I that he'd raise up shankles? Who am I that he would raise up Jordans? Who, am, who, are, who are we that he would raise up Mitchells, that he would raise up Millers? Who, who are we that he would raise up individuals from us, from the people? God, who are we? Who are we that you would even be mindful of us? But his desire and his pursuit has always been for us. And it culminated to the point when Jesus gave his life. Yes, he breathed his last breath on the cross. But three days later, he rose from the dead and conquered death, hell, and the grave. This hope, this pursuit during this Easter season, we're going to be looking at the significance of what Christ has done on the cross. What that means for us. You see, we need to be reminded, and there's times of of this Easter season, be reminded of what Jesus has done on the cross. Next week as we have our Palm Sunday service sharing a message entitled Final Destination. And and we encourage you in your bulletin there's invites for you to invite folks to come. It's going to just be an enhanced message that we're using some videos and and dramas and just different illustrations to help bring home the point of of the finale of life. that The importance of knowing Jesus Christ. Encourage you to invite someone. Maybe they're not able to come on the morning. They work or something. We're going to have a 6 o'clock service just for the opportunity to to share. Maybe you come to the 9 o'clock and you come with somebody and you come with someone different at the 6 o'clock, whatever that is. But we want to have an opportunity to share the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible says as well, Jesus, he said, every time you take communion, do this in remembrance of me. It's good to be reminded of how much he loves us. It's good to be reminded that I didn't do anything to deserve his love. It's good to be reminded that he doesn't love me because of who I am. Because you know what it's like to think, God, how could you keep loving and not give up? I know you either either felt that about yourself or you felt it about somebody. Where you thought, God, I would have given up by now. You may have felt that about yourself. God, how would you keep loving me the way you love me? The dirt that I've come from, the things that I've done, the, the situations that are, that are taking place. But his love continues. In Hebrews chapter 9, here's what it says in verse 24. Looking at this, this scripture this morning, reminding us of what Jesus Christ has done. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again and over and over. But It says this, now once for all. Just say that this morning, once for all. Once for all. I just, just remind you. This morning, if you think that God wants to punish you, no, he already did that once and for all. He already gave it to his son. Don't ever think 
that God is a God who wants to punish because to have such a thought is to think that Jesus didn't take enough when he went to the cross. To think that somehow we need to pay for our sins or, or we need to be punished or things that we need to do. He is not a God who punishes. Yes, there are consequences in life, but he is a God who wants to bless, who prepares, who sets things in motion, who wants to, to cause us to, to walk into the fullness of what he has. But the Bible says once and for all that Jesus came. Once and for all, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And let me remind you, not just as a sacrifice, a willing sacrifice. He did not have his life taken from him. He willingly gave his life. Willingly. So that we might have life. Father, this morning, I pray that as we look at this word, that it would come alive in our hearts. I pray the truth would resonate in us, that, Father, would cause life change, make us more like Jesus. But, Lord, I pray, God, that the cross and the message of the cross would come alive in us and, Lord, become our identity. Lord, not just a symbol that we might wear, not just something we might decorate with, but, God, let it be the identity of who we are, that we are in Christ And we live, yet not us, but Christ lives in us. And the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loves us and who gave himself for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning I want to uh, just give us a a picture and help us to kind of catch today what, what I believe is is something of importance as we look at what Jesus did on the cross and the purpose that he did. In what he did in giving his life. This morning the title of the message is just simply all your eggs in one basket. I don't know if you've, uh, uh, you, you can relate to that and realizing this is Easter season. I love Easter. Easter is a great time of the year. And, and uh, Easter, of course, that word itself means to spring forth. It's no accident that Easter has east in it. Where does the sun rise from? It's east. It's all pointing to this picture. There, Every other religion desires to have something of springing forth or something of life. But there is only one faith that has produced it, and that is Jesus Christ. Everyone else is waiting for something. They're waiting for it. Yes, we're waiting for Jesus, but he already came the first time and paid the price, put a great deposit on our hope that we're going to have in heaven. And every other religion and every other cult or every, not other, every other cult, but every other way of believing is in a place of waiting for, yet looking for. But our Christ has come and has proven he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Easter to spring forth. I love the season of of change. Even as this season happens, it it means that the bare trees are going to bloom again. It means that the dull brown ground is going to give way to color. At least at somebody's house. It means means that the temperature in the air is going to start rising. I love spring. You know one of the reasons I love spring? Because I'm so tired of winter. You love something so much more when you recognize how done you are with something else. That we come to a place that I'm done living in the, 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 the less than, living in the stuff that doesn't fulfill. Easter's a great season, of course, as we celebrate. In just two weeks, we're going to, you know, put on our Sunday best. We're going to invite family to come to church. And, and we're going to, someone said, it's going to be a resurrection of the dead. People we haven't seen for a while are going to come back. To... I won't tell you who told me. I don't know who told Kathy, but I'm not going to tell you who told me. <laughs> it, 
this, this season of coming to life. I, I love Easter. As we celebrate the Easter's, we celebrate what, what Christ has done. You know, one of the symbols, we know Easter is all about Jesus Christ and his resurrection. But one of the symbols that's used to recognize that Easter is the egg. And it's fitting because the egg is one of those things that when put in the right conditions, in the right places, it can produce. I mean, you take this thing and put it in the right place and it can produce a spring chicken. I mean, it could just come alive in the right conditions, in the right places. There's, it represents a hope. You know, you and I live with a hope, don't we? We all live with a hope. I, I, one, of my, one of my favorite memories, or maybe just fond memories, I, I would say, is as a kid going Easter egg hunting. You ever go Easter egg hunting? Man, that was a highlight. And I learned as a kid, some people know how to do Easter egg hunts, and other people don't. I mean, my aunt, she, God bless her, just wasn't the best Easter egg hunt. She did her best, but I would, would go, and you'd pick up the eggs, and, and the difficulty was you would know there was something in it because you heard it, and you'd gather up all the eggs you could. you put it in the basket, and then you'd open the egg, and you would find a melted Hershey kiss in a plastic egg that sat in the sun. And then I'd try and eat that thing on the way home. And mom would say, you're making a mess. It's the egg's fault. <laughs> that, another, I mean, I enjoyed Easter egg hunts. And my favorite were not the ones where you just dump the eggs out and say, okay, everybody go get the eggs. I mean, that's, no, that's not a hunt. I mean, they're all right there. I mean, that, that's like going hunting at the zoo. I mean, that's not like, it doesn't, it's not the same. It's not the, not the, the same effect. And so I like the ones where it's strategic. They put the, they put the eggs in places you got to anticipate and, and, and look for. And I had another egg hunt where we went and I picked up the egg and it felt different than all the other eggs. And when I put it in my basket, it broke. And I realized that it was a hard-boiled egg. What does a kid do with a hard-boiled egg? <laughs> I mean, I found it, but now what? Throw it. I, what do you do? I just... The best Easter egg hunts at my grandmother's house. We would go to grandma's house, and we would have Easter egg hunts, and it made all the other Easter egg hunts tolerable because I knew I was going to go to grandma's house. When I would go to grandma's house, I was the oldest grandkid. I went all the way up until I could, till grandma said, no more Easter egg hunting for you. <laughs> Three years ago, she let, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'd get ready, I'd have the basket, and sometimes it didn't even matter the basket, because, you know, you get to the age where I don't need a basket. I'll use a paper bag or a, a Walmart bag, right? Because I'm cool now. I don't need a basket with the frilly stuff on it, but I do want the eggs. I would go Easter egg hunting, and Grandma would say, okay, go. And I'd go and I'd pick up the egg. And you know what it is. You take the egg and you put it in your bag or your basket. You gather all that you can. And when I would pick that first one up, I would hear cha-ching. Grandma put money on the inside of her eggs. <laughs> they were the best Easter egg hunts. I would gather up and I'd get as many. And then I realized I even liked more the ones that didn't make a sound. Because when I opened those up, it wasn't cha-ching. It was cash. I love Grandma's Easter egg hunts. I could easily leave on Easter Sunday with 10 bucks or more from grandma's house. I loved, I would open up, I'd take that that basket. You know what it's like, you get as many as you can. You've got them in the basket and you sit along the side and you start to open them until someone says, I found another one. You pick them up and you hurry up and run. (laughs) Gotta try to get it before they do. I'd open up that, that, that pink plastic egg and I'd look inside and there were two quarters. Put that in. And then the dollar bills, 
It was either a one or a five. There was only one $5 bill, and I never got it. Maybe this year. Maybe this year. <laughs> you know the anticipation when you would open that? Do you remember that? It's like something's on the inside of here. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, two pennies. <laughs> and then the other one's... <gasps> You know, life can sometimes feel like an Easter egg hunt where everything we're doing is looking for the stuff that's going to produce. We, we've got anticipation or expectations of things and we're looking for things to bring fulfillment. Every single one of us want fulfillment. We all desire. We desire a life of fulfillment. We want a life of health. You know what it's like if you were given the option, you can have full health or poor health. You can either have an empty bank account or a full bank account. You can either have a mind full of peace or a mind empty of peace. We always want full. We're going to go with the full. I mean, you always, I love free refills. It's just the best way to go. You get more. We all want fulfillment. We all want those things that satisfy. It doesn't matter whether you believe in Jesus or not. This is central to every single one of us. We want fulfillment in life. You desire those things and you, you, you go along and in life it becomes this hunt and you look for the things that might fulfill and you take those, those, those eggs of expectation, those things that you have and you begin to put them in the baskets of life hoping they're going to produce because the expectations we've been taught in life is you diversify, you spread it out. Now that might be a financial concept but I'm talking even in our lives what we tend to do is we tend to live our lives and we just take our, the, the, the eggs of expectation and we put a little bit here. I'm going to put this one in my relationship basket and I'm going to expect some good things to come out of relationships. I'm, I'm going to put some in my if that breaks will you clean it up Jackson thank you mom said you're good at cleaning up I'm serious you're good at it I'm going to put expectations in my job and things that would produce and we begin to spread our lives and put them at places I got some more eggs anybody have some expectations you want to Jackson here Your grandmother gave me a look. I won't do it. We have these expectations and we can put in all these places. Let me ask you today, what is it that we've spread our lives? God knows our desires. In fact, he's the one that said in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. That's his desire for us. He said this, this purpose in us that he wants us to have life and, and, and have it to the full. And, and this, this, this thing of wanting to produce. And what is it that sometimes, unfortunately, we want the most out of life. And as we've been taught to diversify or put them in different places, we spread ourselves out. You know what I'm convinced? Is that it's a work of the enemy. Because the one thing the enemy wants to do to make you weak is to separate you. Mom and dad, you know what it is. This happens in our home, not as much anymore because our kids have learned that it's not going to work. Where if they want something, they go to mom. And if they don't get it, they go to dad. And the goal is to try and play the sides because one way or another, if we can work in a separation of, it's a tactic. Who taught them to do that? It's by nature. It's what we do. We, we separate. It's, it's, it's this idea. It's how we approach things. And the enemy's desire is for you to be scattered in life. You know how that feels? 
You ever have your eggs in too many baskets? You spread yourself thin. The eggs of expectation of what you're wanting to try and see come from life's... Better not forget that's in there, huh? I'll let you hold on to it then. No, they're not boiled, see? (laughs) But here's what I want to encourage us this morning. That Jesus didn't come to diversify our lives. He came to consolidate our lives. Now that word consolidate means to work together, to bring together. And when you hear the word consolidation, you immediately think money, don't you? It's a financial term and fitting because Jesus is the one who paid a price that paid the debt in full. Jesus died on the cross and in and his work on the cross, he paid a price. It's a financial thing that was set in place that we were guilty of sin. We had a debt that was upon us. We were born into sin and born into a world that is falling apart, a world that is broken, a world that is without hope and is still desiring hope. Do you know how difficult it is to be in a hopeless situation yet still looking for hope? Let me tell you how difficult it is. I mean, you know what it's like sometimes to have the anticipation and desire hope, but to be in a place where there is no hope. The only hope that we can have is found in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus came in this purpose to, to cause us to be one. In our lives' desires here this morning, let me ask you, have you just lived your life where you've got all the baskets and you've lived your life and unfortunately God or church has just become another basket in the line of things where you just spread your eggs of expectation, where you just put put the, these Easter eggs. You just put them in all the other places. You've got God as just a basket in the line of all the rest. He's just a part of all the others that are all in place that God unfortunately is not designed and not unfortunately, but in reality for us, he's not designed it that way. The Bible says that he once and for all, he died. He came at the end of time and once and for all, he has appeared at the end of time, the finale. You know, in the Old Testament, there are many sacrifices. You ever try and study all the sacrifices in the Old Testament? I tried to list them one time, and then it just got so confusing because they had different names in these parts, but they're the same thing. And then, what? And the sacrifice you had to make would depend on what the season and what the circumstance. So depending on if it was the the fall or what season it was or the circumstance or what you did would determine the sacrifice you had to make. You know how difficult that is? Honey, do we need the goat or do we need the pigeon? I'm not sure. Let's find out. I mean, the difficulty, what sacrifice do we make? And in the Old Testament, we recognize that it became symbolic of Jesus' sacrifice. Every sacrifice in the Old Testament, let me tell you why there were so many that we can't count. We we can count, but it's hard to keep track of, is because they were all a part of the whole. They represent a part of what Jesus came to do. But Jesus came, and he was no longer just a symbol. He became the standard. He became the absolute. He became the one that set everything in order. When this addressed that issue and that issue Jesus came and he said I am once and for all the one who sets all things in order I've come to bring completion to every sacrifice there is only one sacrifice to be had and Jesus Christ fulfilled he is the final there is no other to be added Jesus Christ alone his work it's not symbolic for us it becomes this standard in our lives that we recognize Jesus It's like a number that gets retired at a stadium. No one else can wear that number. That number's been set aside. That that number has been reserved because no one else could wear that number because no one could even compare. 
and it removes by retiring the number, removes every opportunity for anyone to even be compared to because they're set apart. I want you to know God, Jesus Christ in his sacrifice has been set apart from any other. There is none that can compare. There is none like it. He is the one who has fulfilled everything and made it complete. Listen to what he did for us. Second Corinthians chapter five, God made him, and we sang this this morning, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might become the righteousness of God. And I want you to catch this. Here's the exchange. God came, or he sent his son, and his son who had no sin became sin. Where'd the sin come from? He took our sin and returned, we became righteous. He took what was worth nothing and gave us what was worth everything. Financially speaking, that is the best deal ever. I mean, in the marketplace, I'm not a financial guy. I don't know numbers to, to the place. I, I, I realize there's smart decisions, smart things. But li- looking at this in, in all the picture of it, I can see you're going to take something that's worth nothing and you're going to give me something that's worth more than anything in this world. That's a pretty good return. I want to put all of my Easter eggs in that basket. I want to put everything I've got in that return. Isn't that what you do financially? Even financially, when you spread and you diversify, you put it in these right places. You got them in these. I got them in stocks. I got them in these other areas. You diversify. And what you do is you want to see what's going to produce the most. And you put it in there because in some ways, in certain regard, you're taking your chances. You don't trust any of them completely. So you're spreading it out to see which one might produce, right? You don't trust any one of them, so you're seeing which one produces. And one starts to produce well, so you take a couple of those Easter eggs from that basket and put it in that basket that starts to produce. But when you find a deal that is like what Jesus Christ, the work that he has done, the transaction, the transfer, the exchange that he has done, there is nothing like it in all the world. I think wisdom would be put all your Easter eggs in that basket. Don't spread them out in the other places. Put them in the one that is the consolidation the one that he desires, that he wants it to be, that we put everything surrounding by him. You see, because I can have all the Easter eggs I want, but they're all just a bunch of zeros, a bunch of goose eggs. And the only thing that gives them value is only when they stand beside the one. By themselves, I can have, I can have 10 zeros Ooh, 10 zeros. 10 zeros equals zero. You can have 10 of them, but it's still nothing. You can have 10 of nothing, you still have nothing. But when he becomes the one, listen to what it says here. In the Bible says in Revelation, in Revelation, it says this. That I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. The Almighty One. You can have all the zeros lined up, but when you put the Almighty One in front of those zeros, only then is value added. Only then does it become anything. Let me ask you, unfortunately, what we do is we put our nothing along other things that have no promise. But the only thing that promises is Christ. Now, you've heard this said before that Jesus needs to be the first. And I want to I encourage you. I want to challenge that a little bit. 
Not that it's inappropriate for us to say Jesus needs to be the first. Because I do believe, you know, the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will be added to you. But when you read the scripture of what Jesus, of what it says of Jesus that he is. He says, I am the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The one who was, who is, and who is still to come. The almighty one. There is only one God. He is the only one. And when you recognize that he's the one, it's not just him being first. Because when you've got one and there are no others, it's not that he's first. He's everything. You see, we can live at times, and what we do is we even get spiritual sometimes to put our Jesus basket the first. We can still spread our lives and put different things, and what we can do is we can put the Jesus basket, and we can, we can try to be religious and spiritual because we even put the Jesus basket first. He doesn't want his Jesus basket to be first. He wants to be everything. He doesn't want to be the first of your life. He wants to be the center of your life. Because when something is at the center, it means everything else points to it. When all the sacrifices in the Old Testament, every single one of them, when the the offering of new grain offerings and and the sacrifice for the Passover and, and everything that was done, every sacrifice that was made pointed to Jesus. They all pointed to Jesus. They all spoke of what Jesus was going to do. And in this life that we point to Jesus, let me give you a couple things this morning of what it means to have Jesus at the center. And when Jesus is at the center, it means, number one, that everything points to him. In your life, let me ask you, the places that you've spread your Easter eggs, your eggs of expectation, the things that you're looking to produce in life, where have you put them? Have you put them and allowed Jesus to be the first basket and you spread them out all the rest? Or has he become the one that everything points to him in the relationships, the, the, the decisions, the things that we are? The value or the importance of pointing to Jesus is that if it doesn't point to Jesus, then it becomes pointless. It becomes pointless. Let me, even in our lives, what is it sometimes that becomes pointless? I know you could say, oh, well, Jason, you're a baseball fan. That's pointless. There's some truth to that. Yeah, in comparison, you're right. But you know, in the process of Even life, the things that we enjoy, the things that we have, even those moments are centered around Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how they're centered around Jesus Christ. Because I can go and experience that. And there have been times I've been sitting at a baseball game watching. And it might even be my daughter playing ball. And as I'm watching, I'm looking and the Holy Spirit is connecting me. You know what? I've built a relationship with somebody and been able to share Jesus with them. Because I sat at a baseball field watching a baseball game. I never would have met that person if I didn't go play baseball. Now you say, oh, we shouldn't play baseball. No. We only do Jesus stuff. Jesus stuff all the time. Jesus stuff all the time. Jesus stuff. All the time. We don't, we don't, we don't go to those places. We don't do those things. We don't, we're not in those areas. We got all our basket, all of our eggs of expectation in this one basket. That's not what that means. What that means is I carry that basket with me and every place I'm going, it becomes an opportunity to share because here's what it is. If God has given me, if hope is wrapped up in this egg, there's a hope that something's going to be produced in this. Isn't that true? It's a hope that something's going to be produced. No one flinched. That wasn't fun. There's a hope that something's going to be produced. And you know what? When I'm carrying that basket of hope around with me, you know what I'm able to do? I might be able to sit at a baseball game. And I already gave you an egg. You can have that one. Okay. 
I might be able to share the hope that Christ has in those places, those opportunities. That's what it means to be centered in Christ. That when everything that I'm doing is about the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. Now, if I go someplace and I immediately feel like, oh, I don't have to, pre- I don't have to be a Christian now. I'm not in church. We can tell lies now. I don't have to speak a certain way. I can, I don't have to, no. I have always, this is, and, and I, I, I've said this to my kids, my wife. I said, if anything, if I even get a gravestone, I don't care. But if it says anything, it doesn't have to even say my name. Let it just say this, a man who lived and believed what he said. A man who lived and believed what he said. I don't want it to say anything else than he just lived and believed what he said. That who he is is who he was. And everything, I want that to be said of me. The greatest thing is not you telling me, oh, you're a good preacher. The greatest thing is when my son will say, dad, you're the real man. You're real. You're the same no matter where you are. You're the same when you hit your hammer. You hit your thumb with a hammer. You're the same when you have these occasions I want my son to say of me you are a man who is working to walk after the things of God that's what matters more to me than anything else we could do why because I'm carrying a basket of hope filled with expectation to a world that needs to know who Jesus is that's our hope in these places these areas that we go everything points to Jesus if it doesn't point to Jesus it's pointless And if it's pointless and has no point, it means it's in pieces. Let me ask you this morning, have you ever felt like life sometimes is in a bunch of pieces? That's normal. Let me tell you why. Because even the strongest of baskets, even the strongest of people, the wind can come sometimes. And the wind wind can blow over that basket and all those eggs go rolling away. Some of you may have been hit by life's winds and it's called the basket to tumble over. Life's winds may have come and hit you. And you've got all these eggs of expectations blown away. Even the best of us. How about John the Baptist? He's in prison. He's been captured. (laughs) They wanted him dead. But for fear of the people, he wasn't going to kill him. John the Baptist is in prison. And as he's in prison, he says to his disciples as they came to visit one day. They said, are you okay, John? Everything all right? This is hard. And then John says to them, John says, go and ask Jesus. Are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? John the Baptist, the one spoken of from, the, from, the, from Isaiah's time, the one prophesied of who would come before Jesus, the one who would be like a, like a voice in the wilderness crying out. John the Baptist, that guy, is sitting in prison saying, Jesus, are you really the one or should we be looking for someone else? Because I've been as strong as I could. I put all my eggs in this basket. I even wear camel hair. I ate locusts. I don't have anything. I gave it all up. I did everything. I put all my eggs in this basket. And the wind of life is blowing it over. And I'm not so sure today, God, that I'm getting the return I thought I'd get. Because this isn't going the way I thought it would. 
Jesus said to the disciples, he said, you go back and tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the, 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 the dead live, that he says, go and tell him what you've seen. Go and tell him, what he said, go and tell him what you have seen. And then they leave and Jesus says to the crowd, there's been none better since John the Baptist. From the beginning of time, John the Baptist, from the beginning of time until the, John, until the time of John the Baptist, there's been no one greater than John the Baptist. Jesus was validating him even in his broken moment. You might be here today and say, God, I feel like the pieces have fallen out. And God says, that's all right because I'm still the one that holds you together. I'm still the one that draws you in. I'm still the one that makes you whole because I'm still the only sacrifice that works. There's nothing you can do but trust in him. You can't go to church enough to make it all better. You can't give enough money in the tithe, in the offering. You go to church, give your tithes, be faithful. Absolutely, do all of that. Why? Not so God will love us, but because we love him, because of what he's done for us. But there's this recognition that only he can fix us. Only he can hold the pieces together. Can I tell you how true it is? It's found on the inside of our bodies. How many of you have ever heard of laminin? Few of us. Ashley introduced this video to me a, a couple weeks ago, and it was a story of, it was educational for me, but it was Louis Giglio. If you've heard that name, he's talking about laminin. And as I looked at this and saw, and it was his, his portrayal of it, he had, he, he had said to, that he was speaking one time and getting off the road, and someone came to him and said, hey, where are you headed to next? He said, well, I'm actually going, going home. I'm going to be speaking at my home church. And this gentleman said, oh, cool. What do you, what's your talk about? Louis said, well, I'm just doing a two-week series on, on the nature of God and how it's revealed in our, in our bodies, even in our bodies. The, the guy said, that's cool. I'm a biologist. Give me your talk. And Louis says, wasn't ready to unload it all there. The guy said, you need to tell him about laminin. Now, I already asked you who knows what laminin is. I, I don't know what laminin is. I mean, in 10th grade, I went to anatomy class. It was the first day of school. And the teacher gave roll call. When he gave, gave, came to my name, he said, Jason Lamer. And he looked up. I said, here. He made eye contact. He made, made a, a look. He looked back down. He looked back up. He said, Mr. Lamer, at the end of class, would you come see me? I said, sure. He goes through the roll call. We have the first day of class talking about what class is going to be. Class is over. I go up and I see him. And he says, Mr. Lamer, you know this is anatomy, right? Human anatomy. I said, yeah. He said, you're not ready for this class. I've already made a slip for you to go somewhere else. I I was okay with that maybe, I don't know. But I'm not the guy that knows anything about laminin. But here's what it is. Not just, listen to what it is first. It is a cell adhesion molecule that is in your body that is a type of protein. Now, protein, okay, I understand that. But I didn't realize there's like 10, 10 to 60,000 different proteins in your body at different times. But one of the main ones that, that the, the cells come together in this structure produces what is known as laminin. And it's found out that laminin is literally like the rebar of the human body. 
It's what holds things together. Laminin is like the glue that holds the membrane. That without laminin, the protein of laminin, we would just all be in pieces. It wouldn't, it, but what's held together, the glue of it, what keeps it all together is laminin. I had no idea. Better yet, you Google it and look at the picture of what laminin is. This is what laminin looks like as a scientific diagram. (laughs) Somebody tell me that's not a coincidence that the scientific diagram for laminin is the shape of a cross, which means we are held together. When our life is all in pieces, we are held together. But here's even better. That's just a scientific diagram. Look at an actual microscope, uh, a picture from a microscope. This is the actual picture of laminin in your body. It is the shape of a cross that holds all the pieces together. And in life's moments, when the bucket falls apart, when the eggs go falling all over the place, when expectation seems like it's everywhere, God says, I'm the one who holds you together. Because listen what he says in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, he says, through him all things were made. By him all things are made. He was before time in all things, and it was before him. And it says, in him all things are held together. You're not a basket case. He's holding you. You're not all messed up. He's got you. You might say, my basket blew over and these eggs of expectation are falling all over the place he says I've got you in the palm of my hands I'm holding you together I am the God who keeps you together I'm the glue and when you think you've messed up that's all right because I'm the redeemer who steps into your mess and says I'll put the pieces back together again You've been living your life, putting your eggs of expectation, diversifying in different baskets. But I want to challenge you today. Say, God, I'm going to put all my my eggs in your basket. I'm going to put all my hope in you. The hope for my marriage, I'm going to put it in you. The hope for my healing, I'm going to put it in you. My hope for whatever it is, but let me remind you, don't limit your hope to this life. Because every one of these flowers here today stand because this week there were two individuals whose house laid in this sanctuary, the shell of their home that they lived in, but today are in the presence of Almighty God. Because the hope that we have goes beyond this life. So don't leave here today saying, oh, pastor preached a great message and it's all about God putting all my eggs in God's basket. He's going to make me the happiest person ever. La, 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 wee. I never said that. Catch this. Sometimes you're going to go, I'm going to put all this, and you're going to feel like John the Baptist. Oh, God. You're going to feel, but can I tell you, in that troubled moment, he's the one who says, I am with you. We sang his name today, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. I know it's a Christmas thing we think about, but don't forget, he didn't just show up at Christmas. He is still Emmanuel. On Easter, two weeks before Easter, he's still Emmanuel. He's still God with us. He's still God in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the basket blown over, in the midst of wherever you are. You're not a basket case. Your life's not out of control. Now you say, you keep going the further, same direction you're going. I can't promise you anymore. But I'm telling you today, I've come today to point you to Jesus. And in just one glimpse of the cross and what he's done for you. 
can change everything. This morning with your heads bowed and eyes closed, you're here today and this is a message of salvation. I want to ask you first today, you're here and you say, Jason, I've not made a decision for Jesus, but today I need to put my faith in Jesus. I've been putting my eggs in all the other baskets of life. I've been trying to find fulfillment in my work, in my relationships. I've been putting them everywhere else. But I'm recognizing this morning that those fulfillments are only for a season. Oh, God could have healed Marianne. He could, have, he could have healed her to give her another age to go to 71. But for whatever reason, he, he, he decided not to. And so you know what? She didn't get healed to die again. She entered into eternity and her hope is revealed in Jesus Christ. Because our hope is greater than this life. We're not living for a paycheck. We're not living for accolade. We're not living for the house. We're not living. Listen, if you've got your eggs in those baskets, be careful because it can burn. The thief can steal it. There are things that the moth will eat it away. But lay your treasure up in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thief cannot steal. Put your eggs of expectation in his basket, at his cross. If you're here today, you say, Jason, I need to commit my life to Christ today. If that's you this morning, Would you just raise your hand in this moment of recognition? You raise your hand, you can put it down. Is there anyone else this morning? You might even say today, Jason, I've trusted the Lord and I'm recognizing today I've only allowed God to be one of the baskets in the line of baskets. But this morning I need to change that and I'm acknowledging to God. I'm not saying, God, I want you to be one of the baskets. God, I want you to be the only one. I want everything that I am to flow from you. If that's you this morning, you say, I'm I'm making that decision. If that's you, just raise your hand before the Lord right now. There's hands going up all over the place. This is so key for us because we're an American culture that we we preach that God wants to make everything happy and hunky-dory and great for us. He loves us, but he says he'll give us peace and strength. And if he promised to give us peace, that probably means then things might not always be the best. If he promised to give us comfort, then that means things might sometimes get unfortunate. If he promised to be our provision, then that means there might be times where we're saying, oh God, I need you. But church, can I challenge us as a body here at Faith Assembly that we say to God this Easter season, as we move towards the celebration, when all the world, when all the world is looking at Easter, they have commercials on TV that talk about going out and buying your suit because it's Easter. Even the culture of the world says, hey, it might be time to go to church. Can I say to us here at Faith Assembly, as all the world is getting ready to celebrate Easter, may we be pointed on point like never before to say, Christ, I want to be set in you. Jesus, you are the Messiah. And you're here today and you say, I want to make a commitment before God that I'm putting all my eggs in his basket. Every egg of expectation, of hope, everything I want, I'm putting it all in his basket. If that's you, as the worship team leads us in this song, I'm going to invite you to stand. And would you just sing this recognition of what Christ has done for us? And allow this to be your worship, your expression. If you want to come to the altar, invite you to come. But in these last minutes, would you just join us? And let's make this our song before the Lord as they lead us. And if that's you, you say, today I'm going to commit. I'm saying to God, Lord, all my eggs are in your basket. I'm not spreading them, scattering Everything I am in you by your grace. Let's respond to his spirit this morning.
Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.